Welcome into this edition of the Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lab. Justin Rose is a winner for the first time in four years. The AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We discuss the future of that event at Pebble Beach. Plus, all the stars are gathered in Phoenix. Not for the Super Bowl. Okay. Probably for the Super Bowl. But also the Waste Management Phoenix Open. We'll get into all that. Plus, the other happenings in the week in the world of golf. Rex, it definitely does not look like you are in Phoenix as was previously planned. Uh, do you care to share why that's the case? Uh, flight got canceled. Too expensive. No, the rooms were too expensive. The flight wasn't too expensive. The rooms, uh, apparently, when our boss found out, were 1500 a night? No, 1800 a night. I heard it was 19 18, 18 or $1,900. Somewhere. I mean, when you're when you're. That, that seems high, like a misprint, does it not? Like, you think it's 150 or 190 What's like, a What's $100? Yeah. Uh, I did two things. I don't think we can say the, uh, the game's name. I don't think we can do that. I'm not going to go down that oh, because, road. Oh, because it's not a competing network? That's right. Uh, that's mm. number one. And the big I don't game. Want it. The big game, I think, is what we have to call it. And I'm more interested in your big round today at TPC Sawgrass. Before you start and do the whole caddy thing, just give me the number and then walk, walk backwards from there. So there, there, isn't a, there is not an official number. Also, uh, shout out Stuart Moore uh, of the PJ Tour communication staff. I uh, always get the invite to Players' Championship Media Day as a uh, resident of Nocatee. I am technically a local media member. And so we played a four-man shamble today. I, did, I had to actually look up what a shamble was. That's where everyone I like a shamble. Uh, hits, their, hits their tee shot. Love a good plays, shamble. Plays the best one. And then uh, from there, you're on your own. To me, Rex, that's like the absolute perfect format for my particular game. I've been uh, stricken with the driver yips. I'm not afraid to say it uh, over the past <laughs> several years. And so standing on some of these tee some of these tee boxes at TPC Sawgrass, one of the most claustrophobic, one of the most uh, mind-bending golf courses that's ever been designed. Knowing that, knowing that there's one already in play, or or knowing that I just need to like smooth the three wood out there uh, was actually swing hard. Was was actually just enlightening for me. Like it was, it was a, a great experience. Had a great day. Uh, actually played better than expected. And I'm not I'm not ready to say I've cured the driver yips, uh, but they were certainly sidelined for at least one afternoon. Given your uh distaste let's call it for certain holes i would say 10 is probably high on your list at tpc sawgrass because you stand on that tee at 10 and i don't know about you but all i see is trouble i see woods and bunkers on the left i see water and out of bounds on the right and more woods like there's I, I, i'm still not 100 percent sure there's a fairway there so we played from the white tees i would actually not recommend it it's it's a little too close and so i was hitting lots of three woods lots of five woods just to avoid running into bunkers or uh, uh, other hazards like 14 is a good example of this where we were up so far it was like a mm-hmm. 360 yard hole where i smashed what i thought was a great drive like literally flew it into the water the, the what was the number pun. from the white tees like the why, why did it seem so casey casey wittenberg pun that's the one uh that, that's I, that I that i flew it into the, the number like for the um i mean it was probably six thousand sixty two hundred yards like it was it was huh. it was too short like we needed to play the blue tees just to get the full pete dye experience i'm not complaining sounds like uh, a really masculine flex no yeah, no that's what it feels he, like i mean six thousand yards yes. is pretty short that's not a tough guy i don't i don't think that's, a, that's yeah. not flexing that's not being too tough it's just that's just reality beat <laughs> the reality so the, the guy ball, with the driver yet okay <laughs> i mean I, I still hit it 275 i just don't know where exactly it is going but no we had a we had a great day obviously pace of play was of the uh, uh paramount importance when you're trying when you're charging seven hundred dollars around, and you have a sh- media local media schlubs uh, out there taking up some of the tea temps, so very appreciative of the tour 
uh, for having us out there. It was a great day. And like I 17? said, most, most important 17? takeaway. Oh, just a routine two putt par. Routine no two one cares par. about that. Like, what'd you hit? Uh, I hit it off so, the tee. So it was it was like a hundred and ten yard shot. Hit a gap wedge, flew it into the ridge, spun it back down to the front. It was on the Sunday hole location, so a couple paces from the right. The pins today were outrageous. They were outrageously <laughs> difficult. It was shocking. I thought they would have. Are you saying the superintendent right hates the local media? Is that what you're saying? Good the superintendent Lord, hates the local media. Difficult. I mean, if I was paying seven hundred dollars around to see uh, some of the hole locations they had today, uh, absolutely outrageous, but a lot of fun. Uh, no, this segues perfectly into where I wanted to go from here because uh, I figure we can start with Pebble Beach. And I have to say, I'm watching on Saturday, and I'm captivated by the weather. I mean, it was nasty. It was terrible out there. And I, I don't know if you watched this live or if you have sent, seen it on the, the interweb. I'm sure you have. Jordan, your boy Jordo, Jordan Spieth on number seven. Did you see? 113 uh, yes. yards? Did you see yes. it? Yeah, you hit like a seven or eight iron. That, that was a thing of beauty. That was golf porn. Like I watched that. I kept rewinding it and showing it to my son. I'm like, watch, 113-yard, 7-iron, punch 7-iron from Jordan Spieth. Loved it. Every minute of it. And that's been the cliche for, what, the past dozen years is that, boy, those Texas, those Texas guys know how to play when the wind gets difficult. We hear Zaltors, Scotty, Spieth, Bo Hossler, whoever else uh, is coming through the, the Dallas Metroplex. Like, those guys, they, they, they grew up playing it. And, and sure enough. Jordan Speed, but the beauty of the hole too. I, I'll give it credit. Like no one wants to play in that. If you want, to, if you're going to go play Pebble, you want to play it like today. The Justin Rose won in perfect conditions, and it was beautiful. And Jim Nance did the poetry thing all day long during the telecast. But that's, I think, what makes Pebble Beach so special that you end up with a pro hitting a 113 yard seven iron. I just think it's one of the brilliant places on earth from an architectural standpoint. I've had this argument with numerous golf writers over time, simply because that's what we do. That if you Pick, if you dug up Pebble Beach and dumped it in the middle of Texas, you wouldn't be able to charge $10 as a muni. I disagree. I, I think it's a really well-designed golf course for where it's at. I mean, and then you factor in the views and the majesty and the beauty. That just makes it that much more special. But I think it's a very good golf course. Uh, I think it's a very good golf course. Is it, is it potentially overrated? Is it, is it worth the amount that they're charging? Look, I no. think as, as an actual 18-hole golf course, there's probably six or seven forgettable holes. However, the, the ones that are spectacular are like worth the price of admission alone. Just being able to, to hit the tee shot on seven, being able to hit the approach on eight, being able to play nine. The tee and shot eight, on 18. 18. I mean, I mean, those are absolutely worth the price of admission. Now, are there some, some forgettable holes that kind of bleed into the rest of your day? One, yeah, two. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like there's, there's definitely uh, a forgettable stretch, but it's always a memorable tournament, which is where I wanted to go with this. And it's something I wrote. Uh, for Monday Scramble that you guys can find on golfchannel.com right now. The PGA, Tour, the, the PGA Tour has an amazing asset at its disposal. It is Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach is their amazing asset. It's one of the most uh, high-profile, most sought-after, most bucket-list destination golf courses on the planet, and yet it's being reduced to what I would call a sea level field this year. You had just seven top 50 players in the world, the leaderboard, Certainly, the final leaderboard uh, was definitely definitely eclectic. And Jordan Spieth uh, posited this at the beginning of the week. And Rex, I'm curious your thoughts. I'd love to see Pebble Beach not just get elevated, but I'd love to see at least if it, if it is elevated, I'd love to see like a 70 man, 72 hole tournament at Pebble Beach because what you would essentially have is a U.S. Open in February. At Pebble Beach. And I know you say oh, that's part of the USGA, US Open rotation. This thing's not coming back to the Pebble Beach. The US Open's not coming back to Pebble Beach until 2027. 
Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we can get enough I mean, of having the best players away, in the but... world. I mean, three years, four years at this point. Um, I don't think you can get enough of having the best players in the world on one of the uh, world's most iconic golf courses. They should be doing everything in their power if you're the PJ Tour uh, to beef up this event and make sure it's the best it can be. Uh, I don't disagree with you. And look, I uh, Pebble Beach is a treasure, and it might be overrated. I mean, that's an entirely different conversation. In this week's field, uh, it's beyond bad. I mean, Jordan Spieth was really it, right? I mean, they kind of got lucky, in my opinion, with Justin Rose as a winner, and it turned out to be a really good story. All of that being said, it was just a preamble to where I wanted to go with this because two sources have told me that there's going to be fewer designated events next year, not more. It looks like there's going fewer. to be fewer. And, and the conversation. I thought the, whole, ha- I thought the whole point was to get the best players in the world together more often. But I think what we're running into, and so the, the number I was told is you'd end up with eight, where you have 12 now, the three others that you have to factor in, and then the majors, and then the players that adds up to the 20. That's too much. That's too much for the top players. Too already, much. Well, you can keep raising your voice. Schedule? A 20 tournament schedule is too much? Well, you're assuming that that's it. I mean, John Rahm's probably the perfect example here, right? Like, John Rahm's not going to not go play in Spain. He's not going to play, not not, not play in Dubai. He's certainly going to play the Ryder Cup. So once you start adding all these others on, now you're looking at 25, 26, 27 events. And yeah, for top players, that's probably more than what they want to play. And I think we're going to end up with a really, really good taste of why that is by the time we get to Wells Fargo. Because by all accounts, most top players want out of Wells Fargo. And this has nothing to do with Quail Hollow. It's a great venue. It's always been a great tournament. Great it's been a must-play. Yeah, yeah it, it's been a must-play for a long time since really it landed on the schedule. Johnny Harris, who's sort of the benefactor there at Quail Hollow, has done a very good job of creating his own little Augusta National. And that's what he wanted to do. The problem here, just timing. If you look at the Dallas guys, all those guys that live in Dallas, Jordan, Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, keep going down the list. If they play all of the events that they want to and they have to, and you're talking about the PGA Championship, you're talking about Wells Fargo, you're talking about Memorial, and then you factor in those guys also want to play the Nelson and they want to play Colonial. So now all of a sudden you're looking at five or six weeks in a row. They're not going to do that. I mean, they're going to take their lumps. They're going to tell the tour, go ahead and take whatever you want out of my PIP money because I'm not playing five or six weeks in a row. So as a result of this, by all indications, they are going to trim the number of designated events. Because I think I'm they not, do. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disputing your sources. I'm just saying, from a discussion standpoint, that seems that that runs counter to exactly what the PJ Tour is trying to roll out with these designated tournaments. The whole point of them, and we're seeing it this week, the WM Phoenix Open. They want yeah. to have the best players in the world playing together more often. What you're saying is they're going to be playing together less often. Looks like next it. year. That's a problem. Looks- uh, I don't know if it's a problem, but they have to reach some sort of balance here, right? Because what you end up with is a situation where, okay, they can say there's 12 designated events and you have to play in all of them. Well, if they don't fit in the player schedule, they don't fit in the player schedule. And this year is kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card for the PGA Tour. Because keep in mind, by and large, all of these increased purses, the tab's being paid by the Tour. They're subsidizing these increased increased purses. Wells Fargo is not paying an extra, I don't know, let's call it $8, $9 million to be a designated event this year. It's kind of a proof of concept that they're going after here. And they want to be able to show all the sponsors that it's worth the elevated price tag to get I mean, the designated it's $12 field. million dollars more, right? The normal yeah. purse is, what, 8 or $9 million? And yeah, have, you, have you watch it. I mean, you watch it. You start talking about TV money, comes factoring into it, and presenting sponsors and everything else sometimes. However, yes, by and large, it's whatever the difference is in purse. So next year, let's extrapolate this forward. You end up with the exact same situation on the schedule without major changes, and you end up with Wells Fargo being without, I don't know, let's say eight of the 20 players that are designated, the PIP guys. 
Wells Fargo is not going to be happy with that. And you cannot have a sponsor who's ponying up an extra however many dollars, millions of dollars, be unhappy with the product. So they, they're going to have to find some way to balance this. And by all indications, that means fewer designated events spread out a little bit more on the schedule. You're still going to have the designated events. They're probably going to rotate. To your point, I could see a scenario where Scottsdale and Pebble rotate back and forth. Maybe even you put Toy Pines in there. You make it a three-year rotation where every three, every third year you end up with a designated field. My guess, the players would like that, and the sponsors would probably like that. Yeah, I think it, it's a natural progression that you'd have Farmers, Phoenix, and uh, Pebble Beach on some sort of three-year cycle. I think the the, the point we got when we got sidetracked, and I certainly want to circle back to this just event topic, is if you have Pebble Beach at your disposal, you have to do everything in your power. Like this this year's field, seven of the top 50, it was, I think, indisputable at the best tournament field of the week, regardless of what the official World Golf Ranking said, was at the Saudi International, which is an Asian tour event. It was won by Abe Anser. Cameron Young, the reigning rookie of the year, was in the mix throughout. It was basically a live preseason event. Like That was a good field, and this has mm-hmm. kind of been the risk that we talked about, where the, the the top of the professional game is being fractured by this PJ Tour and Live Golf Rift, where both products are are weakened by the fact that they aren't working together. Where the PJ Tour has their own guys, and you had seven top fifty players. They put all their eggs in their basket, so to speak, this week at the Phoenix Open, where you have twenty two of the top twenty five players, all but one of them uh, eligible for this event. Will Zalatoris is is taking it off. But last week in the Asian Tour. Um, had a better feel with the live guys like it's 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 messy it's it's not, it's it's not great for either product that you don't have the best players in the world competing more often but if you can have pebble beach which i, I think the point rex that i tried to make in money scramble on golf com is it's going to be a really hard sell to make this a designated event for the top players not just the fact that you have amateur tag longs they don't particularly like that right now you have six hour you have you have six hour pace of play you have bumpy greens that a lot of players don't like to put on poana if you have um you know a lot of guys like to play phoenix a lot of guys still like to play tory a lot of guys obviously are going to be playing riviera and genesis invitational next week like it's not a great time in the schedule but at&t also sponsors two events on the pga tour they've been a long time sponsor they have a relationship with the masters you have to make it work that Pebble Beach is a showcase event. It's a premier event. I don't know how you do it. It's really messy. But I, I think you have to elevate it for 2024 and see and see what you can do. I don't I, again, I don't disagree with your premise. On on the list of problems, Jay Monahan's got a hundred problems. Guess where that one falls? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty far down the list. I mean, if, if we're going to do the rap song here, because I see what you're saying. I mean, I had a tour official tell me a couple weeks ago that what they're trying to do with the schedule starting next year is like trying to build a plane while it's in the air. And for all of the issues that they got going on right now, yes, I'm sure everyone in Ponte Vedra wishes they had a better field at Pebble Beach, which, as you pointed out, it's a natural national treasure. However, I'm not quite sure there's a really, really easy fix considering the other things they need to shore up in the short term. I'm trying. I'm jotting down. I'm not sure if you can guys can catch this on camera. I've been jotting down what I think could possibly be eight designated events. And oh, I can get it to you. I get it. But I. But I but I feel like it's I feel like it's missing. So Kapalua, I mean, Kapalua it's easy. Be, it's Aspery, easy to Aspery, take the Aspery events off. So it's easy to get rid of the four events than it is to figure out who the eight are. So yeah, you start, can easily yeah. get rid of Travelers. You can get rid of Heritage. You can get get rid of Quell Hollow if you really wanted to. And then you yeah, can it's just bad timing. 
You get rid of Phoenix. You do not need to have that an elevated event. All the top players were already Maybe. turning up. They, they love the Phoenix vibe. They love the golf course. Uh, they love the time of year. But you can go back to back with Riviera. It just it just works. I don't think you need to make that a designated event. So there you go. There's yeah. there's the four right there. And I would disagree with you. I'm not sure Maui is untouchable. I mean, Maui was pretty good before this year. Before it I feel like de- you have to designate like You have to make that like Why? it's it's the, it's the kickoff event for the PGA Tour season. You just can't have like. It's 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 PJ Tour's opening day. Like you have to make it a big deal, but you don't have to. No, I disagree. I disagree one hundred percent because guys are going to go play it. Number one, because it's Maui. Number two, you're getting to play it as a treat before it began. Long before it became a designated event, this was a reward for winning on the PGA Tour. This is what this is part of what you got. The guys look forward to. You know, you got to go to the Masters. You probably qualified for the playoffs automatically. You got a two year exemption, and oh yeah, you get to go to Maui. So I think you could take Maui off for no other reason than the field's probably not going to take a huge hit. One way or the other. So, so, then we got, so then we got Riviera, we got Bay Hill, we got the players. I, I would um, keep Scottsdale in the mix. I, I think Scottsdale either becomes one of a rotation or, or standalone. Put a, I, I, again, I again, you, you, you keep leaning into Pebble, and, and the pro am's an issue. It's it's not a it's not the issue, but it's a issue, and I don't think they're going to get rid of the pro am for that. I don't. There's a uh, reason why that works. I under, I understand that it, they did get rid of it during COVID. And the, the tournament went off just fine. I understand it is the lifeblood of the event. It's what it's been known for the past 50, 60, 70 years, however long it has been. However, if they're just going to elevate the tournament once every three years, I think that would be a pretty good trade-off uh, to be able to get the, the great field that you want uh, during the elevated year. And then you can return to the Pro-Am uh, two of those other three years that they're not elevated. I think that's potentially the workaround. What I, what I also don't know is, like, do you keep the – Three golf courses in the rotation. Do you just have it at Pebble? Uh, that's something to figure out. As you well. wouldn't have well, to if you didn't have the amateurs. You wouldn't need a three course rotation if you didn't have right. the amateurs. Like I would and, do all seventy two. I would do all. And you're talking about it. Although Monterey Peninsula is very very good. Don't sleep on that. Like, it, I, I mean, I don't, so is, so is Byglass. Byglass is the toughest golf course in the rotation. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. You, you don't go to Monterey to, to to play Spyglass. I mean, if you can play Monterey Peninsula, you're going to play Monterey Peninsula. But you're fixing again. You're trying to find a solution to a problem that the tour is probably not all that concerned with. Like, but I mean, there are so many other things. This is Pebble Beach, and you're getting seven of the top fifty players in the world. Like, it, that's inexcusable. We still watched. I still sat here and talked about Apparently. a seven iron. I still talked about a seven iron in the seventh hole by Jordan Spieth on Saturday when it was pouring down sideways and nasty and windy. I still watched this morning because as Jim Nance painted the beautiful picture, it's Pebble Beach. Like, I, I feel like you're you're leaning into something that you don't have to. That, yes, I understand where you're coming from, and it would be nice if you did 70 players, designated event, played only at Pebble Beach, and let's say we get perfect weather all four days. Those things don't happen. Uh, yeah, but I don't want perfect weather at Pebble Beach. Like, I want, I don't I want what you're going to get in February, where sometimes it's going to be 70 and sunny, and other times it's going to be sleeting and hailing and whatever else mm-hmm. that you saw this week uh, on the Monterey Peninsula. Real, real quick before we uh, transition to Justin Rose, what did you think of the technology that CBS rolled out on Sunday evening on the par threes, I believe it was on the fourth hole, uh, fifth hole, excuse me, uh, where they showed where the ball was going to land when it was in the air. I thought it's cool technology. Uh, it's, it's amazing that they can kind of crunch uh, that TrackMan data and accurately predict where the ball is going to end up. Absolutely hated it on the telecast. I do not want to see where the ball is going to end up, especially on a par three shot. Like, that's part of the mystery. Like, you don't know, is it long, short, is it left or right? Like, Come on. It's the ultimate spoiler alert for you, isn't it? It is. Like you, like, it is. Can, you, can you imagine, Rex, if they tried that out on the 12th hole at Augusta National? Like, they wouldn't do that. Uh, yeah, Why no, not? They, they have the technology uh, at their disposal. 
I, I wasn't as bothered by it as you clearly were, but now that you mention it, yeah, it is kind of the ultimate spoiler alert. Spoiler. No, I, 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 I kind of want to be surprised. Yeah, I'd like to yeah. see the pose and try to read the body language. And is it is a good shot? Is it a bad shot? Um, probably, probably not the best execution for CBS. I will give them credit, though. They are now two for two. Like that, the Keith Mitchell interview. Now, granted, it, he didn't end up winning like Max Homa did at Torrey Pines, and it was a little bit different circumstances. Weird, weird hole, too, to to do it on the third hole weird hole but i will give our former colleague gary williams actually pointed something out on twitter and you and i should know this it's hard to execute that like okay get the, get the right player at the right moment and i feel like they've kind of done that two weeks in a row like good for them but to make the technical stuff work you and i have stood alone at enough live shots in the dark freezing to death wait for them to figure out how to turn the light on or god forbid if the microphone goes down or if the earpiece isn't working or whatever i mean there are Eight trillion things that can go wrong when it comes to a telecast. And for them to be able to pull that off, again, back-to-back weeks, again, kind of a work in progress. But total respect. I mean, I think it, it, he was the right guy. I like Keith. I think he's an interesting fella, and he made it interesting. But I, I just don't – I wrote about this on Friday in my Cutline column that it, as good as it's been the first two weeks, I'm still really reluctant that the rest of the rank and file are going to be like, okay, I don't see John Rom popping in headphones next week in Scottsdale coming down the stretch if he has a chance to win. I mean, you'd love to see it on 16. Um, sure. And I mean, 17. Like, and 17. What a cool hole. I would think like they're going to pull like a Joel Damon type this week where, you know, he, you hope that he's at least on the periphery of contention. He's certainly going to uh, enjoy uh, the back and forth with, with Nance and Trevor and company. You, you could see him uh you know riling up the crowd but uh, did you really want it on 16 i'd actually i'd much rather have it on 17 i want like friday on 17 that's such an interesting decision and you get bad balances i don't know if those guys are on delay like a, t- a two second delay in case they they let something <laughs> I think they have slip. to be i think they, they have, have to, to be right yeah, like yeah, what if they bone went over the green like they're gonna be pissed uh, uh or you get a bad bounce good. to your point and, and what i would love to see and, and look they got really really lucky with max homie you got the winner like that that's kind of hard to manufacture week in and week out week out but to your point on friday i kind of would like to get someone who's scrambling to make the cut like it can't all be sunshines and smiles sometimes i mean sometimes i think if you're going to execute this and it's going to work you want to see emotion coming from both sides you want to see i don't want to hear an f-bomb like because that's only going to lead to a fine and Twitter blowing up. However, if you got a guy that does put in the ward on 17 and misses the cut by a stroke, I, I think that would be fantastic theater. I'm just going through the top 10 in the world ranking right now. I'm going to quit. I want a quick yes or no answer. Would this player agree to a walk and talk? Oh, this is fun. And talk on is either fun. Saturday or Sunday. I think they'd probably have to do it on Saturday just to be safe. Roy McIlroy. Yes. I say yes, absolutely. Scotty Scheffler, that's a quick yes for me. John Rahm, it would have to be the right setting. It has to be the right hole. He'd have to be in the right mood. He'd that's have it. to be at the right. That's it. Like, he'd, he'd have to be in the right mood. And there's no guarantee that he could be in the right mood. He could not be in the right mood. We both spent enough time around him. Like, we know how this could play out. And, and I'm, that's, that's a no for me. Just, just no. Don't even ask. Uh, Cameron Smith, don't have to worry about that one. Patrick Cantlay, that's going to be a hard no. Nope. Uh, I feel like Xander Schauffele, that should be a yes. Uh, should be depending on the situation though it's not a quick yes it's a yes uh, not a quick yes yeah i would agree with that he wants to boost his profile Kyle morikawa that's a yes for me will zal torres that's a yes as well jt jt's a tough one man he burns so hot in fact i think he's been like anti like live mic anti no uh, didn't he say something last year or two years ago when this got brought up pointing out that look there's already mics on t-boxes that you can hear enough 
I think yeah. that was his, his comment. So I, no, then I mean, if if you know, I'm going to take him at his word, no, which is, which is too bad because he has Bones on the back, who obviously uh, given mm-hmm. his a stint with us at NBC Sports was absolutely phenomenal. Matt Fitzpatrick is a yes, and I would actually love to see that. Uh, yeah, Billy Foster probably. is one of the uh, all-time great caddies. Matt Fitzpatrick, an incredibly thoughtful, detail-oriented guy. What about Danny Willett? How, how, how classic would Danny Willett and that, that nutball caddy of his? Sorry, I didn't mean it that way. You know what I mean. Sorry. <laughs> that was you. That was you yeah. uh, to me and the caddies. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, the outspoken you, you, caddy is what I meant to say. Apologies. Apologies. Let me retract that. Uh, outspoken caddy. How, how much fun would that be? That's rex.hoggard at NBCUni.com. <laughs> Feel free to send all of your hate mail. Justin Rose, you did mention, Rex, uh, did win the Pebble Beach event. First victory in more than four years. Amazing to think that. 2019 Farmers Insurance Open was his last title. That was the one that sent him to world number one. Had one since. Kind of shocking. What do you think it means for Jay Rose at age 42 uh, to get back on the horse? I think it's impressive because I had, uh, you don't want to say you've written anyone off, but he had gotten of that age where you were just, it's hard to imagine someone being able to do what he's been able to do. And, and look, I don't, I've never doubted his work ethic. This is a guy that missed, I don't know, 18 million cuts to start his career, whatever that number is. And so clearly roughly, he has, approximately. roughly, approximately, I might be off by a couple, but, but he has the gumption and the grit, whatever you want to call it, to fight through this. But at four years? That had been a long time. And I guess the part that stood out to me, as soon as the play got finished, I, I pulled up the, the track man data because I was really curious about his putting. He finished 14th in the field in strokes game putting. And, and it's a little misleading because they only have statistics at Pebble Beach. And so you, you don't get a really Incredibly snapshot. misleading, in fact, yes. Yes. Uh, but, so you don't get a really, really good indication. However, I, if you just go to sort of the basics, which is total putts, I mean, in rounds one and two, he had 26 and 25 putts, respectively, for the round. It's hard to say exactly what that means, but that's pretty good. And so I think when you start talking about as good of a ball striker as Justin Rose is and has always been, even when he stopped working with Foley and then he stopped, started working with Foley again and wherever he's at right now in this game, he's always been a pretty decent ball striker. If he can find a way to somehow keep that putting relatively close to where it is right now, I don't think he gets back to number one in the world, but he can certainly sort of come alive during a time of year during during a year when the european side we certainly need him looking ahead to the Ryder cup yeah he's not gonna get back to world number one but this did move him back inside the top 50 in the world believed it moved him all the way up to 35th according to the latest uh world rank and i'm with you he works now with mark blackburn he's kind of churned through coaches caddies clubs over the past four years tinkering trying to find uh, the answers in the dirt. I give him a lot of credit because it, you mentioned his age. He's he's 42 now. He seems of that ilk. He seems of that pedigree where you would almost expect him to go chase a lucrative live offer and just mm-hmm. coast to the sunset like Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood have done before him. Instead, he stuck it out with the PGA Tour and his patience, his faith uh, was rewarded with what is now an 11th PGA Tour title. And this has to be a welcome sight. For Luke Donald. I know the arbitration uh, hearing is going on this week in London to determine the fate of the live golfers, but uh, in, in all likelihood, regardless of what they decide, like I don't think this year's European Ryder Cup team is going to have that veteran leadership like we've seen in years past with the Sergios, Westwoods, and Poulters. And so if Luke Donald can lean on a Justin Rose type uh, who, is, who has been through the ringer, been in, been in that cauldron and perform uh, incredibly well, I'm sure he'd love to lean uh, on his veteran savvy. Uh, come a couple months' time in Rome. 
Well, and that is such an interesting dynamic because the early stages of this, you thought like, oh, Justin Rose is one of these guys. When you start looking, I mean, Lee Westwood made it pretty clear, but you start going down the list of the Ian Poulters and the Richard Blands, and it made it so obvious. And he's never really given a really good reason. I don't think he's ever been pressed as to exactly why he didn't go. But there's something you can't ignore is he's represented by uh, Mark Steinberg of XL Sports, who also represents Tiger Woods and JT. No and Excel no, client has gone to live. No Excel clients. And, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a very interesting dynamic that if you look behind the scenes, and it gets kind of inside baseball, but there's certain groups that did go almost to a man, that, that they wholesale movement from one tour to the next tour. And then you have this particular group, which has been very, very successful, and probably the closest person that's even been rumored is Patrick Cantlay, right? I mean, that's as close as anyone's even come from XL to even sort of sniff in that direction. So I just, I find it interesting, the mindset of either the players, and I don't know how closely aligned they are with Mark and XL on that front. Yeah, that is interesting. It almost seems like a, it's a mandate from the top down, whether it's uh, Steinberg, whether it's Tiger, like they all seem to be uh, united uh, in their front to mm. be pro PJ Tour. Uh, for better. Did you see who's uh, 49th in the world right now? Uh, I did not. Please fill us in. Dustin Johnson, which means next week, what happens? He's tumbling out. First time, and I just saw it on Twitter, Nosferatu did it, I don't know, but it's first time in a decade or however long that he's been dominating the world. To, to your point, though, going back to the Saudi International, going to their opener in Mexico just a few weeks, talking about Liv Goff, it, it's amazing that you have DJ falling out. Eventually, it seems like Cam Smith DJ, is going... DJ could have earned world ranking points this week. Instead, he pulled out with a bad back. Uh, just a couple mm. hours before the opening round. That is a long flight, Rex, to fly to Saudi Arabia, uh, suffer a back injury in a practice round, unable to tee it up, and then fly back to South Florida. I'm sure he was you, not... I'm you sure think he's he in 35B? Seated, he was not seated in 23B. However, that is a very long flight, particularly with a bad back. Like, that's the last thing you want to do is then hop on uh, the, the uh, Coast Atlantic uh, flight, flight once again. Uh, no, and I, I wanted to ask you because it was interesting. Bob Herrick with SI got an extended interview with Phil Mickelson that I, I thought was pretty interesting. It seemed to another me one, reading the, another exclusive, another one. Uh, it seemed to me that Phil wanted to keep look ahead. That he he's tired of looking back. He's tired of looking back at last year, which wasn't a great year. It, it almost seemed to me reading that story that he wanted to take the high road, and then for some He'll reason, some, the high road. someone handed him his phone and he remembered that. Oh yeah, I like to tweet, and that seemed like a year's worth of tweets. That he had saved up, that he had just ready in the bag and just started throwing them out there like they were eggs that he was throwing at people that he didn't like. And by and large, they were responses. But I'm like, man, that's what happens when you, when you, sit, when you take a knee from social media for a year. When the day you come back is a bad day. It was so funny, too. It was in his pre-tournament press conference. It was on, like, Tuesday or Wednesday at the Saudi International. Phil was like, I have to be more, quote, guarded uh, in what I say, mm. but there's going to be more transparency. I'll be able to be more open and engaging come year-end. Nope. Phil hops on Twitter, and he said that he'll give Tiger a cart if they play uh, in this PJ Tour live match, which, of course, is never is never An undeserved stray, by the way. An undeserved stray. That was the one that I was kind of like, oh, come on. Like, that, now you, yeah, it's too far. Like, the, the dude's was, dealing with injuries. It was it was Danny Woodhead, the former uh, NFL running back, who who said like this, you know, PJ Tour live match absolutely has to happen. It would be a ratings bonanza, which it would. Uh, if it fills my boy, Danny Woodhead, of course, yeah, you and the uh, U.S. Open sectionals. Uh, this okay. is a this is a complete quote. It sounds great. This is from Phil, but we would dominate them so soundly, and it would be over so quick that TV would have to fill an hour of dead time. That's why it's not happening at this time. With a shrugging emoji. Uh, 
I think everyone thought that the crazy MFers line that Phil Mickelson trotted out last year in the Fire Pit Collective story was the most insane thing he's ever said, the most ludicrous thing he's ever said. Nope. You're saying this is it? It was the, it was the fact that he said that the live guys <laughs> would beat them, quote, so soundly that it would be over with too much dead time to fill. Well, and I, I forget who popped back with uh, Justin Thomas and Tiger Woods and Jordan Spieth and whoever around who has remained loyal to the PGA Tour. And the response was, they'll have something to say about this. And Phil's response was, they do have plenty to say, which I was like, all right, that, that one's pretty good. I'll, I'll give you that one. Like, We'll have fun with that. Of course, uh, Phil, it, it, Phil, Phil did go quiet. So he, he had this Twitter flurry, right, for like a 12-hour span. Uh, you think someone Phil, took his phone? Think someone just wrestled his phone away from him? Give it to me. Stop it. Give it to me. Probably, Here's a probably milkshake. Is- probably his lawyers, uh, but Phil missed the cup by one in Saudi Arabia. And so he flew all the way back to California. That's got to be, what, a 14-hour, a, a 16-hour flight sure. back to California? Not a single tweet. Not a single tweet over the past three days, despite having so much ample time on his hands after missing the cut in Saudi Arabia. Did, Rex, did you have any takeaways from the actual tournament? I was uh, keen to watch uh, Cameron Young, who uh, does not have a win anywhere, since back-to-back weeks on the Corn Ferry Tour in 2021, May, that was really the stretch uh, that launched him to get his PGA Tour card. And then, of course, last season, uh, he was the Rookie of the Year mm-hmm. on the PGA Tour. It was going to be a very interesting scenario if Cameron Young won that golf tournament. Cameron Young, Lucas Herbert, uh, and a handful of other players received the conflicting event releases to play in Saudi Arabia. We don't know quite the extent of his Saudi commitment, Rex. But you look at the past champions of this tournament, Dustin Johnson twice, Harold Varner III, and Graham McDowell. What do all three of those players have in common? They join Liv. They all, they all eventually join Liv. And this year's champion, Abe Answer, uh, of course, defected to Liv last summer. It was going to be very if interesting. If you're going to ask a question, you're not going to wait for me to answer it. You're just going to plow, plow ahead and answer your own question and keep going? Yes. That's exactly right. I don't actually have a question, but feel free to weigh in. I thought it was going to be very interesting. It didn't. It didn't end up coming to fruition, but it was interesting nonetheless. Uh, no, no, I didn't. I didn't spend much time paying attention to the competition. I was curious to see how the likes you pointed out that Phil Mickelson missed the cut, and so did Brooks Kepka, and uh, so did Cam Smith. Brooks, Brooks didn't miss the cut. Cam Smith did. Uh, I thought Brooks missed the cut. Okay, uh, but I was more thinking along the lines of Cam Smith, and it was part of. What I'm wondering now, we just got through saying 20 events is too much for star players, and then they add events, so you're looking at 25 events. And whatever the magic number Oman this week. Yeah, whatever the magic number is for players, right? 14 normally is not it. And I think there is going to be a tipping point. And this was, as you pointed out, it's essentially the preseason for Live Golf, which gets started in a few weeks down in Mexico. But for a player like Cam Smith, who did play, I mean, he didn't play a limited schedule when he was on the PGA Tour. He was one of the guys that always played 20, 25 events, whatever the case may be. There is going to be a learning curve for these guys. I truly believe for them to figure out how can I maintain that sort of competitive edge away from golf because I don't have as much golf to partake in any longer. You don't have as many options. There's options now, thanks to that international series on the Asian Tour and this event. But once you start getting into the season, you're going to have weeks in between tournaments. And I think that's going to be the challenge for a lot of the Lib guys. Yeah, that's a challenge that Tiger Woods has found now, right, in his new normal. He's not playing enough to be competitively mm-hmm. sharp, but he doesn't want to play too much. And that uh, could potentially break down his body. The Lib guys are, are, are finding they're going to have to either pick up tournaments like, like Brooks playing in Oman this week. I forget what the exact number that he said. Like he has 12 rounds or 
whatever the case may be, before the Masters. And so each round, is kind of, he's kind of viewing it as a stepping stone. He wants to keep progressing so that by the time the first round of the Masters rolls around in April, he feels all the competitive rust has okay. been knocked off. He feels like he's somewhat progressing. And so I'm not sure what that magic number is, uh, and I'm sure uh, the, the live players will address it with the tour leadership saying, hey, we need X number of tournaments uh, to feel like we are major championship ready uh, and perform uh, the best that we can. What else caught your eye over the past week in the world of golf? Rex, or what are you most looking forward to seeing this week? It's the first time Rory and Rom going head to head in the calendar year 2023. Uh, I'm curious about the waste management. I, I think it's going to be a fascinating week for, for a number of reasons. Obviously we touched on the idea that it's a designated event. It has an unbelievable field and it's going to be the center of the sports universe. But if we can say big no, game, we can use, no, it's not. if we can use the other, you don't think so. I mean, I'm TV's talking about Scottsdale. Phoenix Scottsdale is not, yes, the, the greater Phoenix no, area. I'm, I'm talking about Phoenix all of area. it. Okay. Yes, yes, I'm talking about all of it. And I don't, yeah, let's call it the big game because I don't want to get a call from a lawyer as well as as an as a angry caddy, apparently. Is that, is that an email? I, I must have missed that email. Did we not call it the Super Bowl? I, I remember having this conversation once when I was on air about them wanting us not to use the word. Like, I, I, would, I would defer to our friends who know much more about TV than I do. But yes, I, I think when, it, when it's not on our network and even maybe when it's on NBC, I'm not even quite sure if we're allowed to do it. Google it. Hmm. Find it. Super Bowl TM? Uh, sure. I mean, it could. But it's going to be the center of the sports universe. And it's kind of where the two sides are going to coalesce. But probably the part that I'm looking forward to the most is we got a taste of what these designated events are going to be like in Maui. It was a limited field, so I don't think you know we got the, the full happiness of it all. This is going to be interesting because you can put the top players together more often with the hope that, oh, they're going to go head-to-head more often. As we saw over the course of pretty much Tiger and Phil's entire career, it just doesn't happen. So I'm curious if now, if we have, let's say, 20 designated players. These are the players that we want to go head-to-head. And now we have a full field. Do you think it actually plays out like they want it to? I'm curious. Do, Do we get the product that essentially the tour is going to end up paying for? I think it is a little dangerous still having the full field. I don't know. Is it this week? Is it 144? I don't think it's 156, but it's certainly... 132, I think. Yeah, it's, okay. it's a shorter field. I can yeah, up. 132. BRB. I still think these designated tournaments need to be 70-man fields. Like I think the BMW Championship model is the one that you're, you're most often to get the Roy versus Rom, the, the Scotty versus Morikawa. Like, you're, you're more likely to get those guys going head to head. You look at the PJ Tour membership, like literally any of any of any card carrying member of the PJ Tour, if he gets hot for seventy two holes, can win a golf tournament regardless of who is in the field. Like they, those guys can catch fire. It doesn't really matter who else they're going up against. Uh, you need you need to shorten the odds that the top players, even without their very best stuff, can prevail. And so I, I still think one thirty two is a little bit too deep for these. Uh, if you look at the history of this tournament, Rex, like you've had really good winners. Um, and so I think that'll continue. I think that's the thing that's working in its favor, but if I'm the PGA tour, I would still love to see every designated event. Uh, I, I would do, I would do 70 man, no cut, make sure that these are the best of the best. And come Sunday afternoon, uh, those are the guys who are battling out. And I feel like that's where they're heading. Again, the tour is still piecing this together as they're hurtling through the air to a brand new normal. So I think there's a lot of things to change, but rather if that's 70 or hundred players or whatever the case may be, I think the idea is to have a limited field And 132 is Phoenix. Now I will say this just in passing. 
Because I think, by and large, most players understand what they're getting themselves into. And I, I was at the event for the first time last year, and I'm telling you, it's it's, it's different. It's enjoyable. I think I, I I said on the podcast that I understand now why that's so special. I understand now why game day works so much. Because when you do a show in the middle of that nonsense, there's so much energy. You don't have any choice. You're going to be excited. You don't have to get yourself worked up. All that being said, I wonder how the Patrick Cantlay's of the world. And we just mentioned, like he's not the type of guy that's going to partake in this nonsense. He's not going to take his shirt off on the 16th hole. If he makes a birdie putt, that's not going to happen. That's going to be, how much, how funny would that be though? My God, how good would be that fantastic. Be? But I, I'm going it's to be naughty. curious how this particular tournament lands with those top players. Okay. We have to play these. We have to play this one. Cantlay's played it before. He has. He almost, he he almost won has. last year. He finished second last year. He absolutely has, and and maybe all of the top players embrace it for what it is. It's a one-off. This is one week out of the year, and other places have tried to replicate it, but you're never going to get to what they to what they have at the Crow's Nest. It's always just a very, very special place, and I really, really wish I was there. Thank you, Mercer. Uh, $1,800 a night. I heard your flight uh, was expensive. Do you, do, you, do you care to weigh in on the cost of your flight and how it was possibly uh, as much money as it was? Because uh, I had to change it because I had booked the flight and then I had to add uh, a flight because I'm going to Connecticut next week to do uh, shows from studio. So it was how much? How much was it all told? Like 2800 bucks for both flights. Are you, are you piloting the plane? How is it possibly that much? Well, is I think it was because... Pilot experiences? We get to sit in the cockpit? No, because I had booked my original ticket to front Phoenix and then back to Orlando you know, a good long time ago, you know, months, if not weeks, you know, weeks, if not months. But then by the time I got around to getting the request to have to go to Connecticut on Monday morning after what just happened on Sunday in Scottsdale. So now everything, everything's a little bit more expensive, right? Maybe a lot more expensive. So uh, the Super Bowl okay. just made everything more expensive. Apparently a lot more. Apparently a lot more. This is, and this is the exact reason. Why, as I, as I texted you, this is the exact reason why the PGA Tour needs to have its biggest party opposite the Super Bowl TM bye week. <laughs> That way you don't I don't have, think that helps. I don't think that you helps. Don't have a crush. I've covered this tournament. <laughs> I did not have a nineteen hundred dollar a night hotel, but we. Oh, I was there last year. I didn't. It wasn't nineteen hundred dollars. I mean, the no. Super Bowl just changes things. It's, it's and it's a week long celebration now. It's just not Sunday's yeah. game. It was like two fifty a night. Like it was totally fine. Uh, mm-hmm. It's no one's fault. However, it was probably a good move that we didn't blow like one eighth of our travel budget uh, to cover the Phoenix Open, particularly since no one's going to be reading uh, our content on GolfChannel.com or anywhere. Because of the big Super Bowl TM uh, that Oof. is being played on Sunday, no one's going to be on Saturday. No one's going to be on Sunday. You're no covered, TM. Read on Monday. Speaking of which, speaking of the Super Bowl TM, what are you throwing down on the grill for the big game for the Super Bowl TM? I'm not here. I won't be throwing anything on the grill. I'll be sitting in a seat on a Delta flight to. Uh, I, I have to be in Connecticut on missing? Sunday night. Are you missing the big game? Uh, well, I'm, I'm taking an earlier flight, so I will be, I will have landed in White Plains, but no, there will be no grilling for me, sadly. Look at the, you'll be, you'll be sitting in the residence in, in Stamford, Connecticut. Very nice residence in that. That's right. Uh, it is a very nice residence in, uh, there's an Italian place downstairs with a bar and I'm sure that, uh, I'll be sitting down there. Hopefully the, the analyst for the week will be, uh, Johnson Wagner because he and I had a little tradition going last time I was up there. So we can, we can watch the big game together. Big game TM. Johnson Wagner, uh, up and coming. Analyst, an I like him. Delicious, I think Johnson's doing a good job. Fantastic mustache, uh, best mustache uh, on television. Rex, we're still debating what we're going to be doing for our Super Bowl party. Uh, is it, wait, is the is everything done? Are, are you? It looked like the picture you sent me the other Actually, day that the, the backyard 
I don't know. We Bonanza, let's call it, is completed. <laughs> we are we are essentially done. There's one more beam to put in, but it really uh, is is kind of after oh. the fact. Uh, I have built roughly, approximately, 37 uh, pieces of patio furniture. Only like <laughs> half of them uh, turned out to be defective, and so I have I've developed carpal tunnel uh, in my wrist. Uh, I'm no longer speaking to my wife, um, and so. But yes, the outdoor kitchen is essentially done. Might might be tweaking a few things here or there, but it is real. It is spectacular. I'm thinking next week. I'm traveling to the Genesis Invitational uh, on Tuesday. So I'm thinking the week after, week after Riviera, uh, I'll be firing up. We just uh, upgraded our internet connection to make sure that we have strong enough Wi-Fi outside to support it. But coming in two weeks, we will have a Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lav from the Outdoor Kitchen. Folks, if you have any ideas for for SpawnCon, hit us up. It is a very good idea. I hope you guys enjoy uh, not just the WM Phoenix Open, but also enjoy the big game, the Super Bowl. uh, TM. Best party on Earth on Sunday. We'll talk to you guys next week. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the week.